0: Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world. You're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan.
1: Good to have you on the show, Hida. How are you doing today?
0: I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me. Super happy to be here.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited about this space because I work in it. I'm in the insurance space as well. You're in a more glamorous because you're helping other companions, which is the pet. And I'll give a quick introduction up to our listeners. Our guest today is Hida Bavered Olson, which is the co-founder and the CEO of LASI, a pet health app and insurance provider. And you raised to date around $36.5 million from notable investors like Balderton Capital. Heda, take us back to your founding AHA moment. How did you end up in the insurance world, but also as well in the pet insurance space?
0: Yeah, it's funny that you ask. I think when looking back three or four years back, if someone would have told me, you know, you were going to work in the insurance business, I would be like, really? That's very random. But the reason why I ended up here is because of my love for pets. And I was working first as a management consultant, and then I worked on the investment side. But I felt like I really wanted to kind of work closer with operations. I always had a dream to start my own business. But I realized quite early on that for me to start a business, it's super important for me to have a passion and so that's how it ended up being lassie my mom is a veterinary so of course we've been growing up with lots of pets but that's also how i saw the problem that lassie is trying to solve that there's a lot of insurance in general it's very reactive you know you only get in contact with your insurance company when something has already happened but for pets and for humans as well, of course, there's a lot of things you can work on proactively and preventively to avoid a lot of injuries. So that was my mission. And I saw that we had worked a lot preventively with our pets growing up and we could avoid, we had very few injuries. So basically, I wanted to create a pet insurance that was just more than pet insurance, that was also a health platform and really try to help the users to avoid the injury because that saves a lot of cost time and money for everyone and pets are your family members and no one wants them to get sick of course so that was the start i had no background in insurance i had more the vision that i wanted to do this and i realized quite early on that you want insurance is very technical you want someone who's an expert on insurance It's a lot about underwriting pricing models claims and so realized you wanted to have someone who was an expert in this so i got through mutual connections and contact with Sophie Wilkinson, who's been former head of pet insurance at one of the large incumbents here in Sweden, I asked around the industry, and my question was Who's the most innovative person you know that knows pet insurance? And that's how Sophie's name came up. And the perfect mix of knowing the industry, but still wanting to change things. And I think she felt that it was a lot harder to change things at the incumbents. It took several years to, you know, implement ideas, whereas we could do it in a few days. And then of course you need someone to build the actual product. Someone who knows tech and product and got in contact with Sophie Johan Johnson who um been kind of full stack developer for Companies like Spotify and King, also recent pet parent. So the same week that I contacted him, he also uh, bought his first puppy. So very much of a Stars Alliance scenario there. And the three of us founded Lassie in summer or autumn 2020. And from there, it took me quite a long time to find the right co-founders. I was really picky. I, want, I knew it was super important to get the team right. Once we got the team in place, things got really, worked really quickly to get funding and to launch the business. But it was really worth it to take a lot of time to find the ideal mix because you want both. I think our strength is that we have a lot of different capabilities um, and knowledges, but we all want the same, we have the same vision and want to go in the same direction. And that is really a sweet spot because we can... Kind of challenge each other, divide and conquer, and still kind of complement each other, which is, but of course, have a lot of fun together as well. So that's been really the key part of the journey.
1: Yeah, I mean, you touched on an important point when building a startup, which is finding the right co founders that complement not only the vision you're building, but also the skill set. I would be very intrigued to know how did you convince two people who are working in an insurance uh, software company that probably they have a good career and someone in Spotify to join you? What was your, uh, as they say, your uh, speech to them?
0: The funny thing, since I uh, worked on investments before, when I started to research Lassie, My way of just putting my thoughts together was actually starting to create the pitch deck. And it wasn't because I was raising money or anything. It was just for me to outline why what, is this a good idea or in this case why so I kind of had the pitch stick, and when I met candidates it became quite naturally to kind of go through it so that ended up being kind of very almost like pitching to investors um, pitching to future co-founders or employees and after a while when you do a pitch you end up um, being pretty good at doing it so I think that was of course a real advantage to be able to have data but of course it's all about you need to have, find someone who's actually likes wants to do that journey. If you're too safe and maybe risk-averse in your mindset, it's hard to convince them anyway. So there must be some personality trait where you think it's going to be a fun challenge. So it's not all about selling. There also needs to be something there in that person who has some curiosity about starting your own company or building something from scratch, taking a bit of risk. So a combination of being well-prepared, having... doesn't need to be a pitch deck it just ended up being that way for me but still finding also people who had that personality where they were looking to build something from scratch
1: amazing two years ago two and a half years almost ago you started the company you're now at sixty thousand customers you launched also in germany last year if we go back to the early days let's talk about your first 100 tell us the story how did you find them what tactics growth strategies did you employ early on
0: I remember so much our first 100 customers because in the beginning, we had this kind of internal CRM systems. And as soon, we also had the Slack channel that you got a little ping every time there was a new customer signing up. And every time there was someone signing up, you went in to check, is this someone I know or is this someone you know someone who doesn't know us from us, and every time there was someone who didn't come from you know our closest network you were so happy you started to look into how they did find us and it was super exciting but for us how we started we started very much with the digital channels we started with kind of google sem meta paid social but also kind of um other kind of um a bit of influencers and that type of things to build a brand. But what we saw very early on was that once you found the right messaging and you got the right customers on board, they also started to refer their friends. So we very quickly built a referral program where um, users could they could all become micro-influencers basically they could create their own code my code for example is HEDA. so if anyone listens to this lives in Sweden or Germany you can sign up using the code HEDA and we will go both get some money off but by doing that you know we could see that people started to put this out on their own kind of personal Instagram accounts or Facebook and that was really key to get I think it's all about building a product that customers love. And since they loved it, they started to recommend their friends. So we have a really good kind of organic uh, virality loop. And that was really key for us to really find that early on. And the way we did it was that we had kind of our customer success. Chat was open from early morning. We started with opening it 7 in the morning until 10 o'clock in the evening. Now it's 8 to 9, so almost the same hours. And we all took turns in chatting and talking to customers to really figure out, okay, what do they like about the product, what should we tweak, to really kind of build and make tweaks early on so that the products or so that the customers would love it. Because if customers love your product, especially if it's a consumer product, they will start talking about it. Um, you know, dog owners to meet in dog parks or so forth. And so that was really key for us to kind of build that strong product love. And we also saw that when we started to get more reviews, more love, that also meant more trust. And then we grew even quicker.
1: Amazing. I'd be very interested to know why did you go early on with the digital channels, especially when we talk about insurance keywords and the D2T space, it's quite expensive to target these accounts. Is there any specific Special source that you had where you were able to have a strong customer acquisition cost early on
0: Where we had a low customer acquisition cost early on you mean so that was really the referral so for us It was fine for us to pay a little bit more in the beginning for the right customers because then as soon as we got them in Then they started referring and that was a lot cheaper, but you need to find your first customers somewhere on Google, it's still very high intent, so that was a great channel to start with. But there were also kind of paid social where you can more build your brand, influence. So that was still good channels that worked really well for us. Of course, I mean, adding on kind of more partnerships as well. But the first customers came from digital channels because it was quite easy also to target where they live, the ages, and to really find the right... The first best 100 users that was a lot easier to do through digital channels
1: amazing now if you go from a hundred to a thousand it's a different scaling strategy what channels worked for you here other than the referrals and how did you have this hockey stick effect because you've grown to sixty thousand in two years which is quite impressive
0: yeah no so i think it's really the organic part that's been growing each month uh, it's now kind of the biggest part of our acquisition comes from organic. So it's all about kind of scaling our existing channels, adding on kind of affiliate partnerships, breeders, veterinary clinics. So just adding on more channels, but still we have kind of a very kind of stable base coming from our existing channels. But the more kind of the stronger brand we have and the more customers we have, we find that we convert at a very much lower cost than we did in the beginning when we were a new brand.
1: This is very interesting, by the way. So if I'm a customer today and I'm coming to Lassie, what is my expectations? Am I buying an insurance with an app that would help me prevent injuries and that essentially translates to a cheaper policy? Or do I download the app and then you upsell me the insurance?
0: So most of our customers come actually from getting our insurance and then one of the USP compared to other insurances are that we provide this free app where you can do a lot of courses, quizzes. You collect points there and can reduce your price. We now also have an e-com, so you can also buy things in the e-com shop. Now that we are building out the ecosystem, which is the next part of our journey, we are also looking to get people in for other parts of the ecosystem and then upsell to insurance but so far we haven't had those channels um kind of properly live yet there have been more in the beta mode so that's something that we're going to explore more in 2024 and 2025 but so far it's been more driving our customers to the website because insurance is a decision where you want to do a little bit more research on maybe you're not ready to download an app the first thing you do you want to read up on the terms and conditions, check your pricing, maybe compare a bit, since it's a bit higher threshold to download an app the first thing you do. So that's something that we have played around with um, on the journey, but seeing that it works really good to go to the website, and then kind of after that link them to the app, and we see that 90% of our customers have the app and are using the app. So that works really great to follow. Because you can't forget that pet insurance is actually a product where you care a lot about what the product includes. It's a passion product, so people spend a lot of time researching it, and that's why it's important to be able to do so on our website as well.
1: Amazing. What has been the hardest part of building ID2C in SureTech?
0: I think there's always so many fun, kind of difficult parts. I think it's always difficult when you launch a new market and figure out how should the marketing mix look like in this market? How should we tweak our USPs, our messaging? So that's always a challenge. I think we did a very good job in Germany with tweaking a lot and testing a lot. The first months, you can't expect to be able to just go to a new country and have exactly the same strategy. So we did a few tweaks on the signups, on the marketing, and after two or three months, we really saw things picking up. So. I think that's always a big challenge, but also a very fun challenge. Then I think as, you know, looking at kind of D2C and growth, I think the debate on how much you should invest in brand versus kind of conversion activities and growth is always an interesting debate. And it's very hard to measure brand awareness and how much brand is worth it to do. And that's always very difficult
1: amazing i mean you talked about international expansion to germany there's a lot of listeners who are also founders of startups and want to expand what are things you look at when you want to expand to a different market because you could have gone to the uk you could have gone to france you chose specifically germany so is there any criteria you look at for international expansion
0: Yeah, we look at a few criteria. The most important one is probably how the market looks like. What's the growth rate? How big is the market? For us, it is as much work to go to a small country as it is to go to a big country. So then we prefer the big countries since we're also very digital and scalable. That's why we were mainly looking at some very large European countries. And the reason why we were looking at European countries were due to regulations since we have a license in the eu it saves quite a lot of admin work to stay in the eu or within europe so that's also kind of another criteria so market and with market also including competition how much existing competition is there what's the cac looking like you know um, we look at all these things uh, market dynamics growth rate size but then also kind of the regulatory part where EU makes it a little bit less admin-heavy. So those are kind of the main criterias.
1: Amazing. What's the principle that you live by that has made you successful in your entrepreneurship?
0: I think ask for help because um, you're going to face multiple issues and questions. And, you know, especially being a CEO or any co-founder, it's not going to be something that you've done before. And um, there's a lot of mistakes you can avoid by asking startups that has been in this a couple of years ahead of you or kind of just get advice on how to do things. And you can save a lot of time by not you know, being too stubborn or too proud. So, for example, when I looked for co-founders, if I would have been too much in a stealth mode, I don't think I would ever gotten introduced to Sophie and one as well. So I think it's really important to be able to talk about what you're looking for and your successes. There's been so many things that's been hard to predict. You know, it was really hard to get a bank account in Germany. And by not being kind of too proud, we asked a lot of advisors and investors for intros to banks or we had angels and just trying to get... The leverage where you can to avoid mistakes and also to make some processes faster because you can save a lot of time and mistakes by asking for help.
1: Absolutely. So you worked before uh, starting last year at McKinsey and Goldman Sachs. What are specific learnings you brought with you to the startup world?
0: Yeah, I only did a summer at Goldman Sachs. So that was, um, I choose to start at McKinsey instead and Standard, then work with investment at EQT. But some of the learnings was definitely I think to how to analyze markets, how to build kind of some good plans, you know, both on the financial budgets, looking at metrics. I think pitch decks as well helped a lot, kind of knowing how to tell a story, how to put them together. So I think that really kind of presentation also to investors, I think that helped a lot. Always hard to know exactly. There's a lot of soft skills you probably also learn that it's hard to quantify sometimes but um, you also work to learn to work hard and to have grit and i think that's also important
1: amazing so at the end of every interview i started a new section where i would ask the guest to share a business problem or a question that they're contemplating they're looking for answers and we take that question and ask get to the next guest so that they could respond with the way they would think about solving that problem. Is there a question that is today on your mind that you'd like advice from someone else for?
0: Oh, good question. Well, since I already spoke about this, I would love how other kind of consumer startup uh, think about brand versus more growth investment. But maybe that's too specific to consumer startup, but that's what's on my mind right now.
1: Excellent. So we'll put that in the notes and send it to the next guest. I do have a question for you from the previous guest, though, who is practically asking about pricing and how would you approach increasing or decreasing pricing and positioning it in your space, in that case, insurance, but they're coming from a different sector. But how would you think about increasing or reducing prices?
0: I think it's a lot about looking at uh, the overall picture and doing benchmarking on competitors. Where are they on pricing? Do you add more value, less value? And to think about where you want to position yourself. Do you want to be a little bit more premium? Do you want to be more value for money? So it's all about what position you want to take, then adapt your pricing. For us, we can also be very kind of specific on prices where we can be really niched and say there are you know over 400 dog breeds and 200 cat breeds so we can also go breed by breed and age by age and decide okay we really want the Labradors or the Chihuahuas and decide that here yeah, we want to be a bit lower than competitions but maybe for these breeds or this age group we might want to be a bit higher so for us we can be really advanced in our pricing and that's why it's so important to have someone like Sophie in the team who knows. How to build a really profitable insurance book, because you can really be, you don't need to decide we're gonna be the cheapest or the most expensive. You can actually go very targeted and see, you know, where are the profitable customers, where are the customers who will love our app and really be quite niche about it. And if you know that you are adding more value, you can add similar prices than every as everyone else, but just win by being more value added because for example we have an app so we don't need to be cheapest we can have similar pricing for the breeds that we want but just be really clear that we add more value
1: amazing we'll send this advice to the guests thank you for sharing this Mm Hida. one last question what's next for lassie
0: so right now we are super excited to start looking at our third country as you mentioned we just raised the capital from and with this new financing round we are starting to do our strategic work on what country should be next so now it's deep uh, market analysis on the growth rates market sizes and it's going to be super exciting to launch a new country in 2024 it's also something we are looking a lot is continued optimization with ai with the claims management and tech and also to expand our ecosystem we already launched kind of an e-com shop to our swedish and german customers are looking to kind of integrate that even more with the product so kind of the core themes are expansion tech optimizations and ecosystem
1: excellent we'll put that as well in the notes thank you for joining here this was an amazing and insightful uh, episode two questions how can people reach you and are you hiring
0: so people can reach me on linkedin we are hiring Right now in Sweden and Germany, we are in hybrid companies. So we like to see each other once in a while. So if you live in Berlin or Stockholm, just ping me and send me your profile and see if there's any available roads.
1: Amazing, Heda. Thank you for stopping by. We wish you the best of luck.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the first 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play or Spotify and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.